1: Just like that, second hour is here. Wednesday edition. Hot by with that Withrow across the Outkick Network, which is uh, live each day, streaming live at Outkick.com. Show's flying by today. It is. You think people will respond to Clay saying that Aaron Rodgers
2: could be a doctor? Oh yeah, I think I think that's going to get a response. Yeah, because you think Clay knew what he was doing when he was saying, "Clip this."
1: Clip it's this. A, a, a prime example of what he's talking about. whether it's you know, group think, or it is uh, on either side. You know, instead of free thinking, and you know. Having your own thought and opinion, yeah. I, I, I judge also a lot of
2: times intelligence like that. When I think about people who are smart, and I, I I agree with Clay that Aaron Rodgers is one of these people. If he wasn't an NFL quarterback, I could see him doing a bunch of things.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: In leader in leadership roles, in academia, maybe in medicine, in law. <clears throat> There's a lot of different things that Aaron Rodgers could do. And what Clay said about his grandfather, my grandfather rest in peace uh, didn't graduate fourth grade because he had to go to work on the farm and when he passed away I went to eighth as an old man he did not read very well you know if you gave him a book he could not sit mm-hmm. and read aloud he knew words yeah and I think he kind of learned by sight what words certain words were but he could not sit there and read something he could have done any number of things though if he had the opportunity to go to school and go to college could have done that. I've always told this story, but the guy built me a bunk bed out of steel to get, take yeah. to college with his bare hands. And you left it behind? Yeah, no, there was no YouTube. Huh. You know, he didn't have to yeah. go and like see how to do it. He knew how to do it because he did things with his hands his entire life and was an incredibly intelligent. Those are things I don't possess that quality where I could do it the way he did it. I can do a lot of other things and I'm smart in a lot of areas. But I look at that and think this is a guy who, if he had the opportunity to go through high school and college, could have done in any number of things. I, I think that about Aaron Rodgers as someone who's intelligent. I think that about, about Jimmy Kimmel. You know, I think he's an intelligent guy and funny he and witty. Be brilliant to have. He uh, could a have a free, number of
1: jobs other than late night host too. Yeah, you don't have to be brilliant to contribute to the universe of ideas. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, Even even a dumb person can have a good idea,
2: and I think I don't know if it got lost in translation. My point was, it's not that I disagree with everything every Hollywood actor says. Right. I, I just it's funny to me that Jimmy Kimmel wants to play the card with Aaron Rodgers. Oh, you put on a helmet and play quarterback in the NFL, and now you think you're a virologist, and that you can talk about all these different things. Well you could say the same about Leonardo DiCaprio that he's now a climatologist, even though he does not have the training to do it because of his interest. I think DiCaprio is a smart guy. He can talk about whatever he wants to talk about. My point is you're not going to hear Jimmy Kimmel make that argument. Oh, because you've made such and such billions of dollars, at the box office and you can read a script and you can play in a movie. Now you think you can, you're qualified to speak about this, this and this. He's not going to make that argument because he mostly agrees with Leo, and he doesn't agree with anything Aaron Rodgers says. So let's be genuine about it, is my point here. It's not that you really think Aaron, maybe he does think Aaron Rodgers is dumb, which I think is a mistake by Jimmy Kimmel. It's not that you really think they're stupid. It's that you don't like what they're saying. It's who's saying it. And you don't like the opinion. So now I'm going to paint them as some idiot where you would never do that with someone you agree with
1: on points. What would you say Connor Stallions would be doing if he had not, been working at Michigan for his his favorite team. I know he went to U.S. Naval Academy, um, and he's the mastermind behind the the sign stealing. He's a, a military captain. Again, uh, yeah, he
2: would have been I, uh, in, in espionage somewhere working yeah. for the government. I feel like he He'd would be, have been like one of the White House plumbers that bungled Watergate. He'll be that in, would have in been Connor sky. Stallions in the early seventies. That would have so, been Connor
1: Stallions. Uh, he, if anyone uh, curious what he was doing, he was at a bar in Houston on Monday night getting free beers, and he will have this for life uh, anywhere he goes by Michigan fans. Uh, what do you, uh, as far as uh, popularity is concerned? One has won back to one, won back to back national championships. The other's Connor Stallions, Stetson Bennett, Connor Stallions, I, bringing uh, a championship uh, <laughs> to Michigan. I mean, it's
2: a it's a funny comparison. I'm going with Stetson Bennett, but seeing Connor Stallions now as what? this folk hero, and I'm surprised he wasn't in the stadium. Me too. He made it to the Rose Bowl, but he made it to Houston, but then couldn't make it into the well, stadium maybe, maybe for the game. Maybe he did,
1: but the 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 post was just if anyone was wondering what he was up to last night, he was at a bar in Houston. I mean. He wasn't there all night, right? He could have gone to the game. The other thing, don't you find it – I don't know if it's odd. I'm surprised that he's not out more, like, socially um, visible. How long did we go without knowing where he was or what he was doing after he left the the program?
2: I mean, I I don't know. I don't think many people would be on the lookout, and, you know, there's not paparazzi following – uh, but no, no. so maybe he was you, you, you out. You wouldn't about. need
1: paparazzi. You just need to go with around Michigan fans.
2: Yeah, I mean, now once they started playing in these big, high-profile games, and he was there, that that's where we knew he was. I I, I assume. He's probably
1: at the. Ohio Connor Stallions
2: you know? is probably living his life. You know, I just don't think many people were photographing him or knew who he was, unless you're at a Michigan-specific event. Yeah, I mean, you're right. At a game, Central or a Michigan can't bar. even ID him. So, oh yeah, yeah. That, How's that investigation going? Have we heard
1: Davey, Still no word not, from the AD at Central Michigan
2: about their investigation. Yeah, I mean, on whether or not
1: that was Connor Stallions. No idea if that was him. I I however, how we now, can spot him in a stadium,
2: and we live in a a sports world where people can just say things. And act like they're gonna do something and then never speak again. We've not heard one thing from the Central Michigan A D again. I guess that's the thing. Uh the, the, the general manager for the Titans can just give one press conference and then disappear for a season and come say, back and not even not explain. even say what he
1: wants in a head coach.
2: Right. The not not ex- what, what what qualities are you looking for in a head coach? I'm I'm gonna keep that close to the vest. I don't want we'll to tip hire off anything first.
1: for the hiring process. Chad, I guess the, the other thing, not visible. It's, just a, it's a
2: weird world we, we live in. We haven't heard from him.
1: Like, we have not heard Connor Stallion speak. What do you think? Like, that's that's the also, like, that part it, of it that's weird. We shouldn't be surprised
2: that words carry way too much weight right now in our society. Words, we, uh, words get people canceled. Words do this. Words do that. That all anyone wants to do is say things. It's more important about what you say and not what you do.
0: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for
2: a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the
0: Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline.
1: We have some breaking news from Chris Lowe at ESPN. Nick Saban is retiring. Wow. Head coach at Alabama is retiring. He's just informed his team that he is stepping away from the program. Um, Let me find the... Six national titles at Alabama. And he is retiring from football. Just told the team, according to Chris Lowe. Massive. Now that's a ripple effect across college football. Yes, it is. So the the entire saga of what they went through this season, where he seemed like he was out of it, wasn't into it, and then finishes with one of the best coaching performances, if not the best, that we've seen from him at the University of Alabama. He is now retiring after six national championships and a team that's going to be really good next year. Really good. And a conference that's ushering in Texas and Oklahoma as we go into the next era of college athletics, the NIL era, and the super conferences on the horizon. He is stepping aside uh, and retiring from retiring from football. Well, and there was so much talk last
2: year about he, him looking like a guy who was on his way out, uh, not this season, but the season before, looking like a guy who was on his way to retirement. Then this season started. They lose by 10 at home to Texas, and then all the rumblings got started again. Oh, maybe Nick Saban, this is last year. Maybe he's on his way out, and then they rallied big time. And won the SEC and got back to the college football playoff.
1: So let's tweet this out. Let's get this link
2: going. And here. Now, now he's out. So we're going to have big reaction to this throughout the rest of the show. Hutton, my first thought is, just like I said, wow, I'm, I'm incredibly surprised. My second thought is Nick Saban even did this where Alabama remains at a competitive advantage by going through... And I know he had the college football playoff also. Right. And had a way for that. But really got through the recruiting process and transfer. The biggest part of the transfer window with this. Setting the team up really well. Where they're, whoever inherits this team is going to have high expectations next year. And then the obvious question... Who succeeds him at Alabama? Who's the next Alabama head coach? Does Nick Saban decide that? Have they already decided that? Is there a plan for his replacement, or is this going to be the standard? Hey, we're going to conduct a national search, and then we're going to hire a coach.
1: So I immediately think – I'm still like – I can't believe it when I'm reading this. I was doing double-check because the blue check mark means nothing now on some of these accounts. Uh, But Chris Lowe and everyone's now uh, going through the the breaking news, uh, informing the team that he's just retired uh, from college football – so, yeah, retiring at the age of 72, six titles, um, you have the immediate question I have, Chad, is what's next in retirement? Is it more than just stepping away from the game and not wanting to have another role? Is it the, the commissioner of college football that we have been discussing for the last couple of years and what, what college athletics needs, leadership, a direction, someone uh, as the the face of the sport as we go into this new era. I also think the new era has a lot of coaches wanting to get out. Sabin wasn't one of them. He's always adapted to what was in front of him for several seasons. He would complain about the the style of offense, right? The, the bootleg and mobile quarterback, all this. It It was unsafe. Unsafe. The speed of the offenses, how quickly they were playing. It was unsafe. And then what, what do we see now? He's totally adapted that we didn't think of the quarterback at Alabama, even with Saban until we started to see things roll through over the last, what, five, six years, seven years plus, where they have had quarterback after quarterback in this lineage of top talent. They hadn't, They had not had a a quarterback win the Heisman and they've got it now. They've, they were known for the run game and defense and Saban's known for dominance, known for adapting and winning. So while I don't think it's certainly the, the, the era that we're ushering in, that's running him off, I am surprised that he is going out this way instead of the way I think we all assumed where it's in his blood. And once it's not a part of his life, he's done. You know, I kind of feel
2: this way about
1: uh, Peyton Manning.
2: If Peyton Manning gets into a president role for an NFL team and he's not doing Peyton Manning things, not doing a Manning cast, not doing documentary series on ESPN or or whatever it is, I feel like that kind of robs the public of Peyton Manning. I think that what Nick Saban should be is czar of college football, if they have that role, the head of college football. I also feel like Nick Saban is going to be so good on television if he fully commits to that, that we're almost being robbed if he's in a position where he's only giving a press conference once every six months and not out public forward facing in college football. College football probably needs a Nick Saban to run the sport and and be the, the manager, president of the sport. But I want Nick Saban on TV selfishly, as a sports fan, I want to see Nick Saban commenting on all things college football somewhere,
1: someplace. I hope that's what happens, but I don't know that if that's going to be the future for him or not. Six titles uh, at Bama, he had one at LSU. And keep this in mind, this is also, uh, we're, we're in this time frame where we could also see Bill Belichick do the same thing. That's, that's another option for Belichick. We could have the greatest coach in pro football and college football. and college retire, retire within the
2: same week. Yep. That's crazy. It's, um, man, I, I I'm, I'm stunned. I yeah. mean, I, I, again, we're going to have plenty of time to talk about what's next at Alabama, but I'm just going to throw this name out there. Dabo Sweeney. Okay. After the season that he had at Clemson, what two questions on this, would Alabama still want Dabo Sweeney right now? Or would they see him as a coach that's on the decline? Or do you say it's a no-brainer? This guy has won uh, multiple national championships at another place. He is an Alabama graduate, played here for Gene Stallings at Alabama. You bring that guy home, and you go from Nick Saban to Dabo Sweeney. And it's as simple as
1: that if you're Alabama. I don't think it's it's that time now. I think that time has passed.
2: That that window may have come and gone for him.
1: Two things come to mind. Number one – I mean, this is the greatest era that we've – this run of dominance where you just see nothing but titles. And if you lose two games in a season, you're going through a rebuild, a retool, I think is what he called it. Uh, who's, the, who's the best coach now in college football? Kirby Smart? It's – I mean, minus
2: the scandal, it's Jim Harbaugh, but he's about to go to the NFL. Right. So, so it's, yeah, I mean, Kirby, yeah, after Kirby Smart, uh, I think Dabo Sweeney's got the, the track record, but he's not been as good lately, but he's right up there. What are Alabama fans doing right now? I mean, they're probably, uh, they're not burning a couch. Uh, I don't think you do that when a coach retires. A good couch uh, burning that happened in Ann Arbor after Michigan won the national title.
1: I think there's just silence. a video of that there's one. silence in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's
2: all about the next coach now, but Alabama fans have had so much success in football with Nick Saban that I'm sure that they're very confident that this thing's going to
1: keep rolling right along. And what is the ripple effect of this? Because Bama is going to have a new coach. If they go from the outside and go big, who do they go with? Michigan is also going to have a new coach. The thought is it's going to be Sharon Moore if Harbaugh leaves, if and when Harbaugh leaves. Who's the, who's the next money guy? Clay's asking if it's uh, Dan Lanning. You know he's going to be mentioned, but yep. he just signed that's another contract That's one that I thought soon. about also. Um, you know Lane Kiffin wants his name mentioned. Yeah. There's plenty, plenty of coaches that want to be... That, like we, I thought Texas A&M was going to be uh, the, the rags to riches for the $4 million head coach that's turning into the you know, $12 million head coach. Clay uh, wants to hop on and talk Saban with us let's also. Let's do it, yeah. So if we can call
2: him, let's let's, uh, get him on. Let, let's do that. He just sent a text and said call because he wants to get on and, yeah. and talk some Nick Saban. Um, I, <laughs> there has to be a reason why now, the timing yeah, of this. It, it, we found this news out, by the way, the same time you guys did on air, on the show, so we're processing all this also. A, a name I threw out for NFL jobs that I'd throw out for Alabama too is Kalen DeBoer and what he's done okay. at, uh, at Washington, That seems like a guy – Alabama's not going to want – you know, Lane Kiffin comes to mind who's been there. That's not ever going to happen. They're never going to bring on a Lane Kiffin that's going to bring that type of attention the way Lane Kiffin does. Alabama's not going to be about that with their football program.
1: Kalen DeBoer would fit the mold uh, of someone they'd be looking for. Again, Nick Saban uh, has announced he's retiring, announced his retirement. Look at his career. He's 297, 297 wins, 71 losses and one tie. Seven national championships, six at Alabama. Uh, Chad, what comes to mind, too, uh, the conversation that we were having at the beginning of the season, and it, really it ran through even the Tennessee matchup. Post-game of the Tennessee matchup, he's got the cigar. You've got Milrow and others that are kind of laughing at that because he hates cigars. He sprints over to the student section after the win. You know, he's enjoying... He's enjoying the moments there. And I think the the sentiment was, hey, he's not... You know, he's not losing his mind as much as he was in past seasons. I'm trying to read into it. Yeah, yeah. Clay Travis joins us. Clay, uh, are you as stunned as we are today?
0: Yeah, I mean, how long ago did I hang up with you? Uh, (laughs) You know, 15 minutes ago. Yeah. yeah. um, And, uh, you know, (laughs) I am... uh, Sorry, I'm in my car driving to go get... um, (laughs) <laughs> Driving to go get my kids at school, uh, when I saw the news, Chris Lowe gave him credit for one of the big, truly incredible breaking news stories um out there. Uh, I had to check, you know, in this day and age, I was like, I follow Chris Lowe, and me too. We just talked about time, doing the
2: same thing to make sure we weren't getting fooled, yeah, yeah, by a fake account.
0: Yeah, I did, yeah, when you're live like you guys are, but also when you're just you know uh out there like I don't I try to avoid sharing um anybody who's, who's obviously not the real person and so it was such a quick tweet um I had to make sure it was right uh before I wanted to retweet it but look I mean Nick Saban is alive right so let's uh let's preface that because a lot of times when guys coach who have had a tremendous career or guys retire I feel like we talk about them as if they have died <laughs> you know it's right, like we're doing a yeah. eulogy uh, so, uh, he seems to be still a healthy guy. Uh, obviously I think probably still has a lot of good years of life left. Uh, but this does not surprise me. Um, and it doesn't surprise me because, and I don't, you know, I got a lot of opinions. Some of them end up right. Some of them end up wrong. Uh, I, I said on my show and, and I tweeted out, I've watched Nick Saban for the last, you know, 20 years coaching in the sec and at the Miami dolphins, like everybody else has. And this year felt different. Um, it felt to me like Saban, as much as he could, was having a stop-to-smell-the-Roses-style season. Um, just because he didn't react and lose his mind on the sideline. He was different. He
2: right, Clay? Yeah. Like he was just different. Oh, we all said that. Oh, he really likes this team and this group because
1: he's smiling now, and he's
2: joking around more with reporters. It, it's been yeah, we different the last we year and a half.
1: We didn't have the moments where he's ripping into the reporters post game. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, and 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 it was so unsaban like and, and I'm not saying that he still didn't have emotional meltdowns on the sideline. I mean, a Tiger can only change its stripes to a certain extent. Uh, but it felt to me like this was his swan song that he had made the decision and he was trying to enjoy the final moments of his coaching career. And let's put it into context here. I think Nick Saban is the greatest college football coach of all time. Um, and I'm not just saying that hyperbolically because suddenly he is retiring. I've thought it for a while. I made the argument that he was the most dominant, and I questioned whether he would coach long enough to be the best. But I think when you consider seven national championships, six at Alabama, uh, one at LSU, and this is the stat that stands out to me the most, and confirm that I'm right about this, obviously, because I'm driving to pick up my kids at school, Uh, but I believe Alabama was number one at some point in time in 2008, 2009, 2010, 2011, 2012, 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. I don't think they got to number one in 2023, although I could be wrong, and they could have been number one this year as well. Uh, you guys can fact check that, looking like I now. Said, yeah. because I'm driving. The reason why I point that out is, If you talk to people who have success in the world of coaching, in the world of business, in the world of life, having success is not the hard thing to do. Sustaining success is the hard thing to do. I don't believe we will ever see any coach in any of our lives, in any of the lives of anyone that is listening right now, even if you've got a five-year-old and you're playing this audio for somebody who's five years old and you in your car right now. I don't believe anybody will ever do that in college football again. I don't think anybody will ever be as dominant as Nick Saban was during his uh, run at Alabama. Uh, for a lot of programs, getting to number one ever is incredible. For a lot of coaches, winning a single national championship is incredible. Um, and, uh, and so for what Nick Saban did, uh, during his tenure at Alabama in conjunction with the national championship at LSU, I don't think anybody has ever been better as a college football coach that includes Bear Bryant, that includes Bobby Bowden, that includes, uh, uh, you know, uh, anybody that you can go through the list. And I should say in the modern era, right? I mean, I'm not talking, I'm not an expert on, you know, 19, uh, 24 offensive football or anything like that. But I think in the modern era of football, as it became a big business, as it became hyper competitive, as everybody was spending tens of millions of dollars to attain championship, no one has ever been better as a college football coach than Nick Saban.
2: And Clay it's well said. And you look at Saban's tenure. I don't know that we're ever going to have the Nick Saban set up to that legendary career again, because of just where we are now in coaching, Think about the this Nick Saban that Alabama got and Alabama hired. A guy who'd already won a national title at LSU, a guy who tried the NFL and realized he did not like it and wanted to get out, so he had that hunger to get back into something he knew he could succeed at, and that was college football. And then he lands at Alabama. This tradition-rich program that was perfect, perfect marriage for, what, 16, 17 years. He stays at Alabama to go on to that career. I... I just can't envision a future where we get that same setup of a guy who, you know, uh, coaches at Kent State and coaches in the NFL with Bill Belichick and coaches at Michigan State then LSU, then goes to the NFL, realizes he doesn't like it as a head coach there, then lands at Alabama. It's hard to think about another coach on that same trajectory to where you get that 16, 17 year window of absolute brilliance.
0: Yeah, and and I think another couple of things that uh, I think that's that that's well said too. I think it's not a coincidence that Saban is leaving, not only at this age, but I wonder if NIL hadn't become an issue, whether he would have stayed. In other- the game of college football is changing. Uh, the reason why Nick Saban left the NFL was because he wanted to have complete and co- total control of his program. That's why he didn't let- necessarily like the Miami Dolphins. Where the athletes on the team who are professionals all make more money than you at the top line. And you don't have that much control as a head coach. And suddenly now in college football, you've got to be a GM and you've got to negotiate NIL deals and you have to compete. Remember Nick Saban being upset about the Texas A&M allegations that he made that Jimbo Fisher got all fired up about in the last couple of years. I think that factors in here. I think the next question that needs to be asked again Nick Saban, contextually, I think the greatest college football coach of all time. Where does Alabama go now? Yeah. Um, If you were athletic director, uh, the timing on this is interesting. He went through the early signing period, right? So he signed another elite class that all thought they were playing for Nick Saban. Um, That feels a little bit unfair to me, by the way. Maybe he didn't know officially that he was going to uh, step down. Maybe he thought the SEC title game against Georgia was going to be his final game. Uh, and didn't necessarily expect his team to win that game. Uh, and certainly he would have liked, I'm sure, to be raising that crystal above his head and winning another national championship as opposed to losing to Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. Uh, but he signed all those guys. Look, three names that immediately come to mind for me. Maybe I should add a fourth. Uh, Dan Lanning at uh, at Oregon. Um, I think he's young. He's dynamic. Uh, he's recruited at a really high level uh, based on his background. Uh, I think Dabo Sweeney uh, certainly who's a former university of Alabama player. Remember bear Bryant went back to Alabama. He said, when mama calls, I'm paraphrasing him. Uh, but you, you answer, like you go back, um, that legacy of Alabama football, everybody had to be connected to bear Bryant for a long time. Will we now see the new legacy of where you're connected to Nick Saban, maybe, or is it just, Hey, we want another stud. Davo's won multiple national championships. If this were two years ago, uh, I think it'd be a no-brainer. Clemson has stumbled a little bit. Maybe the bloom is off Dabo, Dabo a little bit more than it otherwise would be. Uh, I'll toss out Steve Sarkeesian. Um, tremendous success as an offensive coordinator at Alabama, now at Texas. Uh, hard to think that he would leave one job like that for another. And then Lane Kiffin, uh, just down the road at Ole Miss. Obviously, another former offensive coordinator at Alabama. Those are four names currently associated with Alabama. Uh, sorry, with college football that immediately would come to mind if I were Greg Byrne, the AD at Alabama, uh, that would be on my list that I would be trying to make uh, make contact with to see. Remember also, uh, I believe I'm correct in this, Kevin Steele just retired yes. a couple of days ago as well, right? The offensive, uh, defensive coordinator at Alabama. Not a lot of uh, uh, happiness necessarily with the current offensive coordinator at Alabama, Tommy Reese, um, You guys can fact check me on this if I'm wrong on any of this as I'm driving, like I said, to go pick up my kids or if I lose you for some reason. Gotcha. But like many people out there, uh, I am, you know, reacting in real time uh, to news that just broke in the last few minutes. That's the way that I would kind of be processing it if I were athletic director and had to make a decision about uh, going forward with who would be the head coach at Alabama. Remember, the job is going to be a great one. Jalen Milrose, not going pro. Uh, He's coming back. You got an established. quarterback there um and uh and all of that uh certainly is in play uh as you try to analyze where alabama goes from here as remember we're headed into a new era in college football with this being already now turning the page and thinking about what the 12 team college football playoff will look like
1: yeah but in bama they got a great team returning uh top five caliber team every year uh they're playing road games next year at wisconsin tennessee lsu and oklahoma Got a home game against Georgia next season. I mean, it's a big season coming up, and the ripple effect. I'm I'm listening to you, Clay. List off the names. The ripple effect for those programs. If hypothetically one of those guys is the next head coach, what that means across college football. I mean, the landscape of college football just changed today with Nick Saban stepping down and I say stepping down, retiring uh, from coaching. And uh, we, unless they go to the NFL, there's going to be major right,
2: implications right. with other big but, time programs. And where you to they go. And,
0: and the reality is, even if they go to the NFL, if I am Jimmy Sexton, if I am a college football or NFL coaching agent, I want to get the idea out there that my guy's in the running to be the next head coach at Alabama. Cause even if he's not, I might get a paycheck because my school's afraid that he might leave. Like if I'm, if I'm repping Lane Kiffin right now, Boy, I just went and, uh, and and bought a new lake house um, because uh, you know you just tossed out the idea that he might go, Dan Lanning at Oregon, whatever he's making, he's going to get a raise if he's not in, in in play. And these are just the guys that I'm thinking of off the top sure. of my head that would be right at the top of the list. Dabo has been uh, a lot of Clemson people have been down on Dabo of late. All of a sudden, if you think about him riding off into the sunset, maybe Dabo's got some contract leverage there. To say nothing of Sarkeesian at uh, at Texas. Um, I I just this is a bombshell. And we should mention also Pete Carroll stepping down uh, Two of the Lions, not only of uh, of college football, but just coaching over the last generation for anybody who is a big football fan. Um, But and and, and we could have,
1: hey, in the same week, in the same week, we could have Bill Belichick news, too. I mean Bill Belichick yeah, right. greatest coach two, in pro two football two greatest in each sport and you have the great uh, Nick Saban in college football with uh, he's Belichick 71, Saban 72, Pete Carroll 72 uh and having all that news at once is is crazy.
0: Um yeah, I mean it is uh it's a bombshell and uh, and you know again, I'm not stunned that it happened, but when somebody has been dominant for as long as Nick Saban has been you just anticipate that they're never going to leave after a while. And uh, I think it's fair to say Saban's leaving close to on top, right? I know he lost in the playoff to Michigan, but I think if you had told Alabama fans in in the immediate aftermath of the loss to Texas, hey, Alabama's going to win the SEC title and they're going to go to the playoff, but they're going to lose in the first round, would you sign up for that? I think just about every Alabama fan with a functional brain, admittedly there are a lot of them that don't have functional brains, but just about every Alabama fan with a functional brain would have said, oh, yeah, I'll sign up for that in a heartbeat. You
2: um, know, another name that just popped to mind immediately and would have been a good choice had he not gotten the job he wanted last year? D'Amico Ryans, who's an Alabama alum, yeah, was a name that popped oh, to mind.
0: Still, if, if he lost this weekend uh, in, the, in the playoff game, um now uh obviously they're playing the, the browns right on yep. saturday he might be in the mix and if I was D'Amico Ryan's agent I would float his name uh because I, I don't know what he makes at the Texans but with CJ Stroud and making the playoff, um I, I don't I, I know most people would always be happy with doubling their salary so even if he loves his job with the Texans um I would think he would be in a position where that would be a, uh, a conversation he'd want to have, too. Well,
1: the what do you think Bama fans are doing right now, Clay? What's going on at Innisfree?
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, I would say, one, I mean, Alabama fans are, are probably intensely grateful for Saban. Um, and if you had set an over-under when Saban left the Dolphins to come to Alabama, I think most people would have set the over-under at four and a half years. I mean the the idea that Saban would finish his career at the University of Alabama I think would have been a very low uh, likelihood in terms of most people's opinion certainly I didn't think Nick Saban would have the success he had at Alabama but I also didn't think he would stay as long as he has I think most people would have uh, agreed that that was unlikely um, but I think Alabama would believe um, that they've got a uh, a team in place that if they go make the right hire uh, that this is going to be a a transition akin to when Brett Favre left and Aaron Rodgers took over as quarterback in Green Bay. Alabama fans are cocky at this point. I expect that they will believe that they are just going to go from one Hall of Fame coach to another Hall of Fame coach. Um, And certainly the overall talent that Saban is leaving behind and the fact that he's got a returning quarterback and all those things, this is not a a, a bare-covered situation. And you're also helped out a little bit, I think, now that it's a 12-team playoff, uh, I would still say no matter who's coaching Alabama, it would be a bit of an upset if Alabama wasn't in the 12-team playoff even without Nick Saban next year. I think it's kind of a good time for the baton to be pa- passed. That's the way that I think Alabama fans would be, uh, would be uh, contemplating things right now.
1: Uh, and uh, Brett McMurphy's saying that he's reporting that it is uh, Dan Lanning is the top target at Bama. That's, that's
2: the best one. To me, another name that popped to mind that they could get right now would be Mike Norvell, uh, who is in a conference that they don't want to be in if you wanted to go that route. Although he's uh, only had I the think, one like, season of success,
0: I mean, I, I would potentially look at Kalen DeBoer, um, yep. and what he's done at uh, at Washington. Again, the one thing I will say that people I, I, I am always inclined to go with somebody who's from the region, and people can say, Okay, what in the world do you mean by that? I don't. A lot of unless you've been to Alabama, I don't think people realize what the job of being a football coach at a place like Alabama is like. Right? Um, I mean, you got to be. You got to be on your game all the time. I mean, a good analogy. Remember, before they hired Nick Saban, they hired Mike Price, and some people will remember this story. But you know, he went out to a strip club, Pensacola. I think right. Yeah, it's uh, it, a huge expose on. Yeah, he came from Washington State. You could get away with a lot, and a lot of. And I, and I think, you know, if Lane Kiffin were talking to us right now. I, I know Lane pretty well. Um, you know, Lane Kiffin took over at Tennessee, and he had no idea what it was going to be like to be a head coach in the SEC. And you say, okay, well, what do you mean by that? I mean, Lane Kiffin was in LA. I mean, there are a lot of celebrities in LA. Lane Kiffin was, it was like, as the USC coach, even as the Raiders coach, you're like the 900th most famous person in, uh, in the L.A. area, in the San Francisco Bay area. Whoever becomes the coach of Alabama is the most famous person in the state of Alabama, and there isn't a close second. And everywhere you go in the state, you go out to dinner, you get swarmed. You go to try to play golf, you get swarmed. You are basically the president of the state of Alabama, and football is just a small part of the role that you have to, uh, to undertake. It is an all-encompassing style job that even people who love football are not prepared for if they haven't been in that uh, fishbowl. Um, and so, again, it's a lifestyle that is very different from being, you know, even in Nashville, like the Titans just fired Mike Vrabel. Mike Vrabel can have a normal life, even in a football crazy town and state like Nashville. Uh, When you're an SEC coach in a place like Alabama uh, or Knoxville or uh, the Kentucky basketball coach in Lexington, right? There are certain jobs that there is no downtime where you don't have the ability to ever just be like, hey, man, I just want to chill. You know, I love football, but I don't want to be recruiting all the time. I don't want to be shaking hands, kissing babies all the time. No, no, that's your job too. And that can weigh on people. And I think Alabama found that to be challenging when they went outside of the SEC culture to try to find it. It takes a unique specimen. And Saban's a little bit different because he's okay with being a jerk, right? I mean, uh, he wasn't willing to necessarily do all the glad handling and he won so much that he could be kind of standoffish at times. Um, I mean, that's a big job. It's a big one to follow. Look, I kind of did something similar outside of the world of sports. We took over for Rush Limbaugh. Um, now, now, Rush passed. But you, you know, typically, I talked to a lot of people about it before I took the job. People were like, hey, you know, you're going in after a legend. Now, I was fortunate, I think, Buck and I were a tandem. So it's a little bit different. But typically, you don't want to be the guy who follows the legend. You want to be the guy who follows the guy who follows the legend because the expectations are so high that it's very hard to fulfill them. Um, And that's why I think whoever takes over this Alabama job, it's a prime position. But boy, oh boy, is it uh, jumping into a, a boiling pot, the likes of which frankly there isn't any example of prior and I'll just point out that it took Alabama 25 years whatever the math is from Bear Bryant's death to finding Nick Saban they spent a generation in the football wilderness trying to find it so I understand the Alabama fan position of oh we'll just go get another guy and plug him in and he's going to be dominant I'm trying to think of a historical analogy in coaching. Maybe the best one you could point to is Jimmy Johnson to Barry Switzer. Uh, you know, if you think about uh, the uh, that, that sort of transition, to me, there's a lot of easier ones where you say, boy, the legend who handed off the baton, there wasn't any championship that followed. And there was a slow retrogression where regression, I should say, where normalcy returned. I just think it's going to be hard to find anybody who can approach the level of success as Nick Saban, no matter who you hire. Again,
1: for those just joining us on the, on the live stream, outkick.com slash watch Nick Saban announcing that he is retiring that report through Chris Lowe at ESPN. Uh, Clay Travis with us as we break down the, 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 live reaction, just thinking about this, Clay, the, the, if you haven't been to Tuscaloosa, haven't been to Alabama, you don't really know what the feel is. Think about this, this perspective. So, uh, you've got the, the other SEC schools. And, Clay, so. if
2: you've got to pick your kids up, let us oh, know. Oh, yeah. If we're keeping yeah, you too go when you need to go. Yeah.
1: But just, just the, from the mindset of
0: I'm the – I'm just trying to share this on so oh, while yeah, I drive. Cool. So I'm trying not to die. So but, just give me like 20 seconds yeah, it's all and I'll good. be
2: right back. Well, let me, let me say this, Hutton, before we get this back to, yeah. to Clay. He talked about fit and geography and being from a place, mattering in college sports and understanding it. Dan Lanning is from Kansas City. He played his college football at some place called William Jewell College in Missouri. Okay. okay. But here's where he has coached over the years. Starting in 2015, he was a GA at Alabama. Then he was inside linebackers coach, recruiting coordinator at Memphis in 2016, 2017. He went from there to Georgia, outside linebackers coach in 2018, and then defensive coordinator and outside linebackers coach 2019 to 21. Got to Oregon in 2022 and has just completed his second year with the Ducks. So the meat of his career right there in the middle took place at Alabama, Memphis, and Georgia. He's
1: 37 years old. Yeah, I mean, according to McMurphy, he's the Yeah, I mean, I target. think
0: Dan Lanning, Dan Lanning could make a lot of sense, um, and I think he knows the culture well enough. He's obviously had a lot of success at Oregon. Um, you know, the other thing to keep in mind is everybody's going to try to get a raise. Um, and also whoever gets hired at Alabama is likely to be a head coach, which means you're setting off all different sorts of coaching dominoes, right? When you hire somebody else, there are a lot of elite level coaches that are going to end up potentially looking at this job. And then wherever that coach leaves, I mean, Dan Lanning, if for instance, he left Oregon, that's a hell of a job. He's returning a pretty decent team. Now I know Bo Nix is leaving. Um, but Oregon was a top seven or eight program this year. And Dan Lanning has recruited at a top 10 level. Remember, it'll be a shot, uh, across the bow because Oregon would have lost, um, walk me through this if I remember correctly. So they, uh, with Oregon, they had, uh, Willie, uh, Taggart leave, right. Yep. To go to FSU and then Mario Cristobal um, left them, Mario Cristobal, and now it'd be Dan Lanning. So you would lose three guys that leave for theoretically different jobs. And also remember within that context, Oregon is about to go to the big 10. So it's not only the change of going to, uh, uh, you know, have to replace a coach, but it's going to have to go to a brand new conference. Um, And, uh, and remember we're not that far removed from the, uh, the early enrollment. And the other wild card here is there basically is perpetual free agency right now in college football. So you're talking about like how many guys that signed with Alabama pretty much only signed with Alabama because of Nick Saban. I would bet a huge percentage. So how many of those guys or Oregon or other top schools are going to be looking around saying, wait a minute, I don't know. This is the right spot for me. I know who my head coach is going to be somewhere else. Again, I think all these things, given the transfer portal and everything else, there are just so many different machinations that are now moving and, uh, and and issues to contemplate that would not have been the case in a pre-NIL open transfer portal universe. And
1: they've got 30 days now. There's an open yeah, they portal can do now Bama if you're already enrolled. If you uh, sign your national letter of intent, you can get out of that in, uh, national letter of intent as long as you haven't uh, enrolled in classes to this point.
2: T- taking over for the guy clay uh, over the years okay a few examples here of where it can go one way or the other you mentioned alabama gene stallings won the national title in 92 he was there till 96 bridging gene, right, stallings,
0: gene stallings sorry sorry to cut you off but yeah they had like six five or six guys before gene stallings right
2: well no they had two ray perkins took over for bear bryant uh, did not do well okay. then bill curry also did not do well then they got to gene stallings so that was the first one bear bryant two coaches to get to gene stallings after Gene Stallings went Mike DeBose, Dennis Franchione, Mike Price, who never coached a game because of the strip club scandal, Mike Shula, and then they had Joe Kynes, the interim coach, and then Nick Saban. The, the name that came to mind for me when you talk about who took over for a legend was Earl Bruce taking over for Woody Hayes, who hung around for about nine years, but as we know, was not Woody Hayes, which made me think about Michigan with the Ohio State angle of this. Uh, we all remember Bo Shambeckler, right? Do we remember the tenure of Gary Moeller, who took over for Bo Shanbeckler who coached the Wolverines from 90 to 94, and that got them to Lloyd Carr after that? Um,
1: it can go yeah, look, a number of different of ways.
0: Of yeah, I can think of a, another one that's obviously a legend that left, Steve Spurrier. Um, they went and hired Ron Zook, and Ron Zook at Florida, for people who don't remember, was a disaster, but then they went and got Urban if yeah. I'm remembering that order correctly. And that's the whole, you don't want to be the guy after the guy. You want to be the guy after the guy who's after the guy. Right. Um, Cause then a lot of times they do end up getting it right after the first swing and miss. Um, and so I've, i you can think of, of that kind of having occurred. Uh, obviously am I correct that there was Jim Trestle and then like, Kind of a Luke Fickle interregnum, and then Ohio State went and got Urban Meyer. A little bit different, but Jim Tressel won a national championship in '02, and then Urban came and won. Uh, Maybe I'm missing some stuff there, but I think that's the trajectory at Old. uh, uh, Sorry, at Ohio State. Um, there just aren't that many legends, you know, because your wife went to Nebraska. Nebraska trying to replace Tom Osborne has been a uh, just failed. No, hell, they can't even replace uh, Bo Pelini. They can't replace him, <laughs> much less Tom Osborne. Yeah. They haven't found anyone Am close correct, to as good as he like, was. Was Bill Callahan the first hire after no, uh, Tom Osborne? Frank
2: Solich uh, was on his staff uh, yeah. and, and, and got elevated and took over. And that that was the first controversy in Nebraska. Many thought that Frank Solich should not have been fired, and he went on to do good things right. in Ohio. And then that started the whole carousel of Bill Callahan. It went Solich, Callahan, Pellini and then a lot of bad stuff since. Maybe yeah, good. Another now good rule. one.
0: I mean, because they're connected with Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll obviously left to go to Seattle, surprised a lot of people. SC, maybe Lincoln Riley is the answer, but USC since Pete Carroll left has not been able to figure out their coaching situation, right? I mean, how many years has that been now? Like, basically, Nick Saban's entire tenure. Um, USC has never been able to figure out who the guy is going to be to replace Pete Carroll. Um, and, uh, and, and I would say, you know, USC, Ohio state, Florida, those are the schools that kind of come to mind where you won, uh, either a championship or multiple championships and then had a championship coach leave. Uh, and I would say probably Ohio state has managed that the best. Um, uh, in terms of uh, in terms of what they managed to do with Urban Meyer, now Ryan Day has been pretty good replacing Urban Meyer, but certainly not been able to get over that championship hump. Pete, um, Pete Carroll. And maybe, hey, by the way, we're not even talking right now about Jim Harbaugh who might also leave. Yeah, um, right? And if that happened, you're talking about a Michigan job coming open. I mean, it is just going to be if you're an agent business, this is probably you know the best late Christmas present in your career.
2: The USC went from Pete Carroll to Lane Kiffin, Ed Ogeron, Clay Helton, Steve
1: Sarkeesian, and now Lincoln Riley. Guys, we've uh, we've done a, a lot of shows in the uh, mid South across the SEC. Uh, it, it, once a month, at least, we could get we could take calls. Uh, oh, how long is Saban going to be in, in in place? What five more years? You know, we did long term vision for whatever program: Tennessee, yeah. uh, LSU, uh, Ole Miss. Now it's Texas coming in, and if, if Alabama can still be at the top of the SEC in college football based on their hire, but if they're not, if they screw it up, Texas enters. They can take over that spot. LSU and Brian Kelly, the that certainly is that's a frenzy now. Learning that who
2: we, may want the Michigan job may want if the it opens job. up also.
1: But, uh, of course, a uh, Heupel at Tennessee, and then there's Georgia that just continues to just be the 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 standard, the bar, but just the un the unreachable expectation, but now you don't have Saban at Bama, and that has been all of the discussion from the fan bases across the SEC. When Saban retires, we're going to be back. And
0: that, today's that day. Well,
1: Georgia just usually loses their chief competitor when, with Saban.
0: With, now with what you see usually when a legend goes uh, and gives up his coaching is it usually doesn't happen overnight that the team is not very good. Uh, in the same way that you had the inter- incremental growth yeah. uh, from the new coach, you just start to see a little bit of slippage, um, and there are so many examples of this where the maniacal focus of Nick Saban that made Alabama so excellent. Uh, I, I think about not only in the world of of football, but I think you can go to uh, you know, for instance, somebody like Pat Summit uh, when she retires. Uh, because she had Alzheimer's, unfortunately, but the Lady Vols completely fell apart. I think about Dean Smith going to Bill Guthridge at North Carolina. Dean Smith, one of the winningest coaches of all time, and it was a Matt slow. Matt Doherty decline. was a Even disaster.
2: I, yeah, they, they had yeah. a lot of guy, They had a number and of failures he, to get to Roy Williams.
0: And by the way, sometimes you can be successful immediately just because you're left such a great job. Remember Larry Coker got elevated as the assistant coach at Miami, and they were so incredibly talented. He won, I believe it was a two thousand one national title, and then he almost won the two thousand two national title. Lost uh, Ohio State. As, uh, yeah, that was and the Jim call Trussell. uh late late uh flag pass interference that a lot of Miami fans still don't believe was pass interference. Um but then they started to slip, right? I think that was coming off of Butch Davis, uh, who had built a really good program. And then he left, if I remember correctly, for Cleveland.
1: The Browns, And
0: yeah. uh, to take over the Browns. And Bill Larry Coker got the job, and everybody said, see, it's gone really well. And he even went so well that he won the national championship the first year, but the program descent had begun. And that's typically what you see when a legend leaves. Usually, like Alabama's not going to, barring a disaster, Suddenly, roll the footballs out and go uh, seven and five, or six and six in year one without Nick Saban. That would be a stunning collapse. But they might go nine and three. They might go ten and two. Heck, they could go twelve and zero and be in the playoffs, and maybe even contend for the championship again. When you really start to see, it's year two, year three, when the maniacal focus begins to uh, to just start to show some of those uh, some of those breaches in the dam, so to speak, become more pronounced. Seen uh, just uh,
1: pouring in with uh, a lot of the Bama fans on social, just uh, sadness, I think. And it also, you're right, just honoring the coach. 297 wins for Nick Saban, four Heisman Trophy winners, 10 SEC championships, and eight playoff ex- appearances in the 10 years since the inception uh, as he retires as uh, a, a six-time championship winning head coach. Greatest college Bama coach ever. And one at LSU. And what a legacy. What a legacy. And what... What a ripple effect just from the the landscape of college college football. And I
2: think the LSU portion of this is what really, to me, puts him over as definitively yeah. the greatest coach in college history because he did it at two different places and won that 0-1 national championship at LSU. Clay, we Those are three national championship.
0: One, one last thing too. Yep. I mean, there's a lot of talk about Saban, Belichick as the best coaches, college and pro. Remember that Saban coached against Belichick four times because the Dolphins are in the same division as the uh, New England Patriots. Head-to-head, Nick Saban went two-and-two against Bill Belichick, uh, even when Bill Belichick had Tom Brady and Saban had nowhere near that talent at the quarterback spot. So some people will denigrate Nick Saban's accomplishments and say, oh yeah, he was great, but it's college, it's not that big of a deal. I always think it's kind of interesting to say, okay, head-to-head coaching against each other Even without Tom Brady uh, in the NFL, Nick Saban was able to go head-to-head. And one of the great unanswered questions of all of football in general, remember that the Miami Dolphins team doctor refused to sign off on Drew Brees. Yeah. They were making the decision about who to sign as a free agent. He signed off on Dante Culpepper instead. If Nick Saban had gotten Drew Brees, I think there is a multiverse out there where Nick Saban never leaves the NFL, wins several Super Bowls with uh, with uh, Miami Dolphins. Sorry, Dolphins fan. Uh, and so, uh, you know, some of those decisions that don't necessarily be impactful. Strong argument that the decision of who the Miami Dolphins signed for quarterback back in 2006 or seven or whatever the heck it was uh, ended up creating.
1: Clay, thanks for hopping on, man. As we wrap up this, uh, just reacting in real time to Saban announcing uh, his retirement and uh, the report from Chris Lowe that popped uh, about 50 minutes ago, uh, and well, we'll certainly have a reaction uh, tomorrow as well, starting at four o'clock eastern
2: quickly our buddies at next round live Jim Dunaway and Ryan Brown just said I've said pretty much from early on in his time at Oregon that Dan Lanning would be Nick Saban's replacement and we are more confident saying that now after having some conversations
1: with people that he will be the replacement for Nick Saban oh thanks to Clay Travis for joining us the the legacy the dynasty of Nick Saban retiring 17 seasons and man what a career We'll react to it tomorrow. Hotline with Hunter Withrow. So much to discuss. The Outkick Network right here at Outkick.com.